Elizabeth Barrett is a wife, mother, grandmother, licensed marriage and family therapist, educator, eavesdropper, and emotion worker. And she uses all of these skills to address the subjects that we all grapple with in this conversation with the reluctant therapist. Happy Healthy Tuesday, Elizabeth. Happy Healthy Tuesday, Brad. Tell me, where are we off to today? There's so many puns that I want to use right now. Like we're galloping off into the unknown. We're riding into the sunset. We're going to neigh our way into a conversation. I want to use those things, but I know that I won't because it would be childish and not uh, professional. It's never stopped me before, (laughs) but I don't know about you. But today we are going to tread into some actual, oh gosh, and I did it unintentionally. We're going to tread into some territory (laughs) that's that um, I spent a little time in, but it's not an area of my expertise. And so I'm excited to share uh, the process of life coaching with horses with you today. Um, you know, equine therapy. When we when we look at the when we look at the whole scope of therapy, the helping professions as a as a practice as a pathway to healing, there's this giant umbrella. And when someone says, you know, I, I really think I could use some help, right? I really need to work on some things. It's almost the equivalent of saying, you know, I'm hungry. And then the next thing you have to figure out is, what am I hungry for? You know, in the helping professions, like this giant buffet of um, opportunities to delve into the healing work. And so when you say, I'm hungry, you have to figure out what it is that's going to satisfy that hunger and be good for you and, and to help nourish you. It's the same with choosing what kind of helping profession you're going to go into or work with that's going to bring you the best results and work with your temperament or your belief in how healing occurs. And so in this huge buffet uh, of helping professions, we have cognitive behavioral therapy and psychoanalysis and, you know, uh, client-centered talk therapy, and we have music therapy and art therapy and drama therapy or some of the kind of the alternatives. Some people work, you know, with medications. We have kind of this rising field of uh, psychedelics work to help with healing. But then there's this corner of healing practices that in one on one hand are just enjoyable recreation activities like hiking and surfing and riding horses but those three areas also have real hidden therapeutic benefits maybe not hidden um, because people get the benefits therapeutically even when they're participating recreationally, but there's some really profound therapeutic benefits that can be had from all three of those modalities that unless you really understand how to apply them or how to work with those um, deeper therapeutic opportunities, you kind of miss out. So you might spend a day surfing and feel great and be in the water and feel like you, you know, got some exercise and your head is clear, but there's some great evidence-based research that's been done that shows the surfing provides all those recreational benefits, but also the flow, the focus, the challenge, the sense of accomplishment also really unleashes a lot of new neural pathways and raises serotonin and dopamine and, and does a lot of curative work. Equine therapy 
is another one of those modalities that on the surface could be considered recreational. Also, it can be considered functional if you have war courses on ranches. Um, and then there's the piece of equine therapy that is deeply therapeutic. But then within equine therapy, there's all different ways of working with horses. Either some people are riding on the horses and, you know, feeling the confidence, self-esteem building with that. Some equine work is actually just interacting, not just, but interacting with the horses and then some different modalities. And there's a lot of evidence-based research that supports the power of equine therapy from everything from working with people with disabilities to people with emotional issues and team building for groups. And so I as a clinician, I'm a huge proponent for these uh, undervalued therapeutic activities like wilderness therapy, forest bathing, uh, surf therapy, and equine therapy. And I don't think they get enough attention. I don't think we take them seriously enough. But the people who participate in these programs have huge life-changing experiences that are almost hard to describe. Not almost. They are very hard to describe, which is why I think they don't get the traction they should because someone will say, I just went and had this equine therapy experience. And someone will say, well, what happened? What has changed? It's like, I can't describe it. I just am better. And so it's hard to get people excited where with CBT, cognitive behavioral, it's like I quit smoking <laughs> or I quit you know, feeling lousy. They can define one or two things. So today we're going to talk to the founders of Life Coaching with Horses from Paso Robles. Um, they have a nonprofit. They offer their services for nonprofit agencies in the county all over. You just have to call and make an appointment. Hmm. And yes. And so we're going to talk about how we as a community can utilize these services and understand maybe a little bit better how equine therapy works and life coaching works and how the two may be different and in some ways similar. Um, and then open up the phone lines for calls, people who might be interested in wondering how they can participate and enjoy the benefits of a day with horses up in Paso Robles. So Sounds like a fascinating hour. Really. It's going to be a great hour. So we're going to, we're going to jump right into it um, and not hesitate any longer. <laughs> this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and you can be part of the conversation by giving us a call at 805-781-3875. You can also send me an email after the show to elizabeth at thereluctanttherapist.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, leave me a message there. I think a beautiful photo of Kasha, one of our guests with the horses on Instagram today and Facebook, if you want to check that out. Um, you can listen to previous shows at kcbx.org. All of the shows are posted. Or if you'd like to podcast and listen to the show at your convenient, just go wherever it is that you find your podcast. Look for a conversation with a reluctant therapist and hit subscribe and it will be there. So we'll take a quick break and come back and start our conversation with our guests from Life Coaching with Horses. This is Central Coast Public Radio. KCBX. You suffer 
I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. And welcome today, Yuta and Kasha from Life Coaching with Horses in Paso Robles, California. I'm so happy to have you both here. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having us on the show today. We've been looking forward to this for such a long time. I can't even tell you how excited we are today. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, we've been in conversation for a couple of years, I think. Yes. And I've been up and done some work with you in Paso at your facility. I've also brought groups of students up from Cal Poly who all have loved the experience. And before we jump into what I experienced and kind of what you offer, I'd really like to know how you found your way to doing life coaching with horses. Because I imagine as a five-year-old, you think, you know, someday I'm going to do equine therapy. I, I, I don't think it started there. So I'd love to know, Yuta, why don't you start with how your love of horses brought you to starting this program? Sure, no problem. So I grew up in Germany. You might notice a, a slight <laughs> tiny accent. And I actually grew up on a fairly large horse ranch. Before my, my parents had horses, my sister actually got a bunch of ponies, which is how my whole family got into horses. And one of my best experiences and most cherished memories is when I had a little pony. Her name was Tina. <laughs> and I would ride bareback through the woods by myself with my dog. And I was just kind of just running loose and running a little wild and just wonderful, blissful moments that I had there. Did I know as a five-year-old, which I was five years then, I was going to be a life coach and help uh, other people experience the bliss Absolutely not. I wouldn't think so. Well, I don't even know if this kind of work existed 25 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it really wasn't an option, right? So how did you get involved professionally with horses then at first? So I I studied equine, uh, equine husbandry really is what it's called here in English because my parents had about 250 horses in Germany and I like to call that my first career. What I ended up realizing is unless you're kind of wealthy that's not really a sustainable (laughs) way to make a living and I ended up going into the medical field here in the United States for a while making some money being able to buy a really nice ranch. I'm now growing organic walnuts and sometime Somewhere along the line, Elizabeth, I said to myself, is this all there is, Hmm. making money? Hmm. And the answer was a clear no. And were you involved with horses while you were doing the Walnut Ranch? So you were doing both. I was always, I always had uh, probably too many horses all my life. And I've always been riding. I still ride this very day. I ride pretty much every day. And I still have a dog going with me. So, and what happened is, you know, when you're around 40, you kind of, you kind of go a little inward. You're trying to think about what's really, what this is all about. Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of found out uh, about coaching, period. I didn't even know know Equus coaching existed at the time. So you were just doing more of a personal journey. Yes, a personal journey, exactly. And through going through the class uh, with learning how to be a life coach, I, I actually got introduced to Kasha and found out there was such a thing as equus coaching. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is perfect. That's made for me. And so I started it and then ended up being a master facilitator. And, and, and at the end, you know, we ended up co-founding this organization. So when you went into doing the um, life coaching work, were you anticipating that you would 
do that kind of practice before you even knew the horses existed? Or were you doing more of a self-discovery and just kind of... It was really more self-discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, had, I had no real intention to be um, helping people as just, so to speak, a life coach. Mm-hmm. It was more about me. It was yeah. more about me. Because then, go ahead. But then the horses came in. Yes. And all of a sudden this whole new picture oh, yeah. emerges for you. Oh, yeah. The horses, once the horses came in, it is such a profound and life-changing experience, which sounds like an old an old tone, but it really is true, that I just really, really wanted to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah. I can see that in your eyes as you talk about yeah. it. Is that you just light up yeah. with the whole idea of taking these gifts that you have, yeah. being able to share them. And so, Kasha, I imagine you had a similar experience growing up. How did you get introduced to horses and then what led you to doing this work? Yeah. Uh, it's It started in Poland, uh, hence the accent. Uh, we always joke that we like to add some spice to our work here in the <laughs> United States. My very first experience of that magic, that that healing coming from horses goes as far as me being three year old. Wow. I have this memory of hiding in the in my parents' barn where they had a couple horses and spending every possible moment around them because there was just something about them, that peace, that stillness. Something that just felt so good I couldn't resist. Mm-hmm. So um, my life took me at first slightly in a slightly in a slightly different direction. I actually um, finished chemist chemistry school, mm-hmm. but like my mom used to say, I had the virus. I had the horse virus. <laughs> so somewhere along the way, I actually read a book by one of the American trainers, horse trainers, and I decided I wanted to come out and find out what's that all about. Long story short, I ended up in the States. I ended up working with that trainer for five years, learning all about horses, about their nature, their behavior, learning how to work with particularly difficult or wild horses. And I just continue with that work. And maybe 10, 12 years into that, First of all, I become very aware of what that work did to me, Mm -hmm. what a different person I've become because I was spending so much time around horses, more patient, kinder, gentler. Um, And at some point, I just felt like, all right, I've got it. I got it. I've experienced it. It's time to share it with others. What would happen to another person if they got to feel it and experience that. So I think there is no coincidences there. And while I was looking into changing my career, my friend from my previous horse training years said, you know, I'm moving to uh, Central Coast and we will be teaching Equus coaching training classes. You could come and do it with us. And here I am today, 13 years later. Wow. Yes. Um, so as a result of that change, I've become, first, I was a student of that training. I went through all the training and then became an instructor for the organization that does the training. We met with Utah, and here we are. 
uh, running the nonprofit together. So both of you had profound experiences growing up and then working with horses. And in some ways, 13 years into doing this work, you've grown up with the field of equine therapy and equus coaching because it is fairly new, right? How, how long has this practice been around? You know, um, you mentioned earlier in your, in your introduction uh, therapeutic riding. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that therapeutic riding by now, it's been around for at least five or six decades. Oh, okay. Yeah? And then from that, uh, some of the other modalities started forming, including all those activities and, and ways of being around horses that don't involve riding. Mm-hmm. Because riding sort of narrows the group of people that can experience that. So the work that you do in life coaching with horses is a non-riding type of work. That's correct. So we have no nobody riding any horses <laughs> when we do classes and people seem to be genuinely relieved when we <laughs> tell them that. <laughs> yeah, there there is a common fear that people have of horses, I would think. There is a fear of falling off the horse, yes, for sure. <laughs> there is. And a lot of people, as you said, have fear of horses. They are a thousand pounds often or more of pure beauty and strength. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, once you get close to them, as you have also experienced, mm-hmm. that fear falls completely away. True. If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. And my guests today are Yuta and Kasha, the founders of Life Coaching with Horses in Paso Robles. And we're talking about uh, kind of how they got involved. But what is equa- equas? E- Equine. Well, you use EQ. Oh, yeah. U- U- Equus coaching. Equus coaching. Equus like, coaching. Equus yeah. coaching. That is actually uh, um, now something that has been. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. It's been trademarked yes. by the Center for Equus Coaching. Okay. And it's one of the ways of combining life coaching and horses, and it's one of the modalities out there available. And that's really important. Again, when I opened the show, I talked about the buffet of all the modalities and finding the one that works for you. So we're talking specifically about working with horses, non-riding, but having those experiences one-on-one or as a group and the benefits of that interaction with the horses. Correct. So let's, if best you can, describe what is therapeutic about just interacting with horses because I think for a lot of people I know for myself before I went up am I just going to stand there awkwardly and pet them you know if you haven't spent your life on horses it's hard to imagine what is therapeutic about that engagement so when we when we first have people come to the ranch Kasha and I usually sit down with them in the beginning and we have a little chat with them and we call it why horses okay And it has to do with people saying, why don't you use like dogs? (laughs) And there's a profound difference in in just even the species. If you think about a a dog is a prey animal, a horse horse is a preyed upon animal. Mm. So it's a predator. A dog is a predator and and the horse is a preyed upon animal. And... Even so, you could say as a, as a human, we might fall more into the predator. What, we, what, what the 
beauty is having us be with the horses is all the things that we can learn from them. And I think when we start talking about why horses, we often say we can learn from horses how they are in a group or in a herd or in a family, how they support each other, how they have each other's back, how they can change from I'm the lead mare today to tomorrow I'm, I might be not the lead mare because you might be in a better position to learning how to relax, to learning how to play, and probably most important is to learn how to trust. Mm. Yeah. Um, when people meet horses, they meet a, a being that is not going to judge them. Horses being prey animal, as Yuta said, what they're looking for in, a not, in connecting with other beings around them they're looking for peace. They're looking for safety, for balance. They're also looking for authenticity. And what our clients get to experience is after they spend some time with the horses, they realize they don't have to pretend anymore. They don't have to be someone specific. They can just be themselves. Mm -hmm. For many people, finding out or experiencing being themselves can be a very profound healing or raising awareness experience. My time up at the ranch, again, I was not sure what I was walking into or what to ex what I, to expect or how to behave. That was a big thing for me, and I think a lot of people experience it. Is my biggest concern is what am I supposed to be doing here? <laughs> and you're both laughing because <laughs> that's exactly the point that brings out our own personality traits. It's like I wanted to be in control or command or understand what was going to happen before I stepped in to do it. And so a lot of the work for me was letting go of the expectations that I had to be doing something or know what I was doing and just al allow myself to be in the presence of the horse and just see what happened. And, and that was very difficult. The whole concept of it was difficult, being someone who's you know used to being the captain of every ship I'm on. Um, and so that was my first experience was just getting over the discomfort of not having rules of how I was supposed to interact. And then the other piece that I found fascinating was the and I think, Kasha, you had talked about it, the capacity of the horse's physiology or biology to connect our nervous systems together and that the horse's nervous system, because of the size, would regulate my nervous system. Can you talk about the science behind that? Because that was the biggest experience that I ended up having was that linking. Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad you mentioning science because um, – up till just recently, most people could feel it and experience that, but they really couldn't tell exactly what was going on and how the horse affect their state, mm -hmm. right? Especially emotional and, and um, psychological. But uh, the HeartMath Institute, they did some research uh, based on on hearing from other people about their experiences, on their observations. So they actually got to measure electromagnetic field of human and horses' hearts. And what they found out was that human um, human's heart has about nine feet wide electromagnetic field. 
versus horses is up to five times bigger, wider. So what happens is when we step into the horse's heart, um, horse's heart's electromagnetic field, mm-hmm. we will get we will get affected by it. And as I mentioned before, horses being prey animal, they look for peace, they look for balance, they look for the state in which they can relax, because in that state, they can connect with other beings, they can connect to their environment, and they can also be, I'll take that back, they can live to their full potential as a being, whether it's experiencing something physically or emotionally or mentally. And so when, and I'm just going to stay with my experience, and then we'll talk about kind of the general when I was able to let go of the expectation or the idea that I had to know what I was doing and I just was there, at first the horse kind of kept their distance from me um, and I would come close. I really just wanted to hug the horse more than anything, as you know. And he kept moving away and kind of knocking me with his head and I was so hurt by the experience like I'm being rejected by the horse but then you said to as I just walked around and kind of got into my body kind of got grounded just walked without a goal or something I needed to accomplish the horse started following me around as I walked which was remarkable and the more I stayed grounded and let go of my anticipation the more close the horse got to me and then finally nuzzled up against me and I was able to connect and then that was where I really felt um, the syncing up of my nervous system to the horses like that there was a releasing feeling in my chest and my heart rate slowed down and it's nice because I'm a clinician so I, I in some ways know what I'm looking for when things shift and I could feel this opening inside of me in, in this linking this heart-centered linking which I hope doesn't sound too wooey because it felt actually very biological and then I just rested my head and just stayed like that for quite a long time and That was kind of the first session. When I came back for a second time, I was able to fall into sync with the horse a little more quickly and kind of got into this rhythm. Again, just I felt really drawn to hugging the horse. I couldn't describe it. I just wanted to. Had the same kind of connecting experience. And it's been over a year. We were trying to figure out when it was. It's been almost two years. And that opening of relaxing and letting go feeling has remained with me since then, which for me – a healing modality that has almost two years of continued benefits is like something I haven't experienced in other modalities, which is why I wanted to have you both here today and to let people know that this experience is available to them. So I'm imagining that my experience wasn't unique, Utah. It or, was it was very unique for you. Okay, for, for sure. Yeah, it but was. as a life coach doing this work, I would imagine this is what you see quite often. Yes, we see this pretty much every time in different variations, depending on the person and how the person steps in with the horse and what happens. Um, I was saying earlier before the show started, we were talking about yummy energy, and that's really what the horses, at the end, why they come to you is because you found the grounding, you went into yourself, and the horse is drawn to that. It's, you know, the biofeedback that they feel from you. It's safety. And it doesn't mean you have to be a happy, wonderful, yay, you know, <laughs> person. Because a lot of the work that we have been doing lately, we are also both um, 
grief educators license now. We have worked with grief grieving people that have, you know, had tremendous loss. Um, many times we have people that lose their kids that come. And you cannot say the person stepping in with the horse is yummy feeling, Mm-mm. but still the horse is absolutely drawn to the person because they are, as Kasha was saying earlier, they are authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's what the horse is looking for. That feels safe to them. Authentic can mean I am in the deepest grief of my life, mm-hmm. but it's authentic. Mm-hmm. And the horse will go up to you and the horse will connect with you absolutely. Right. So being able to be where you are, wherever that state is, the horse can sense that and they feel safe being drawn to someone who actually is feeling their feelings. Yes. Which for many people is probably the biggest challenge of their yes. life. <laughs> Is Correct. To, is to feel any feelings at all. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist. And my guests there are the founders of Life Coaching with Horses. And if you'd like information, you can go to info at lifecoachingwithhorses.org um, and connect with Uta and Kasha. Um, we're going to take a break and come back and open up the phone lines for any questions. And we're going to talk specifically about how individuals and groups can get involved and come up to Paso Robles and have this unique experience with horses. I'm Elizabeth Barrett, and this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist, and you're listening to Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX. Lean on me when you're not strong. Elizabeth Barrett, and this is a conversation with a reluctant therapist, and we're talking about uh, life coaching with horses. And I opened the show talking about the umbrella of modalities and all the different ways that people can find healing and comfort and change in their life. And equine therapy is one of those modalities, but under the umbrella of equine therapy are other are different ways of interacting with horses. Kasha had mentioned there's riding therapies um, that. People are actually on the horse riding and doing work. And then there's non-riding interactions with horses um, that is available. And then the work of uh, Kasha and Yuta is life coaching with horses. And I would like you to describe what that entails, what your training looks like, and then how, how would people uh, access this? Who can come do this work? How is it available to the public? So let's start with the life coaching part first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's a 
again, it's it's a growing field of of a form of support that's available for uh, to people. And one of the main things that I would like to clarify is that life coaching is not a therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, we are not therapists. We are not licensed therapists. We've got, we've gone through trainings for life coaching, not not to be um, professional therapists. And um, just recently, when I was visiting a home in Poland, uh, a friend asked me because she said, "You know, I feel like." Life coaches are people who just didn't want to go and study therapy. And I said, hey, I appreciate that, you know, information, and um, I'll be happy to clarify what's life coaching about. And life coaching is a form of support that is offered to those people who uh, are actually are totally capable of, while using their own resources, helping themselves. Mm -hmm. Maybe they got stuck. Maybe they forgot about things. Maybe they got disconnected with their own wisdom and potential and the things they know, their experiences, for whatever reason, life situation, social conditioning. But they are totally capable of figuring things out if only somebody helps them a little. If somebody maybe asks the questions, maybe if somebody reflects some things, mm-hmm. maybe shares some observations. So that's what we do as life coaches. Now, the twist to it is the presence of the horses. Mm-hmm. And horse becomes, in our activities that we offer to our clients, horse becomes a very important part of that um, support. Because horses can reflect people's states, emotional, physical. Horses can serve as mirrors. Mm -hmm. Um, Horses may give us, the coaches, a little bit insight about what may be happening for the client that even the client may not be aware of. So we get to work with horses and support the client together. They're almost like a silent partner. Pretty much. <laughs> but they may, they may be silent vocally, but they're very verbal, quote, yes. verbal through their body language yes. and their behavior. Mm-hmm. I think that's really great, that Kasha, that you're talking about, that we really read the horses. And mm-hmm. we are a little bit lucky, both of us, that we have spent a lot of time training horses and being with horses and experience horses in a way that many other, maybe maybe other life coaches that go in the directions coaching with horses have not. And I think it's an understatement to say that they they show us a little bit. I mean, if I don't have the horse to look at, mm-hmm. I always look at the horse first, and then I look at you as the client, because you can BS me, <laughs> the horse will not. Mm-hmm. And so if you might say, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm not afraid. I'm great. And, and I'm looking at the horse and I'm thinking, oh, okay, let's, you know, let's see. So that, I think, for us, the horse is a great partner, a great facilitator in this, in this form of uh, coaching. It's almost as if the horse is your biofeedback monitor. Yes. yes. <laughs> that can read what's happening internally for the person. So who, who can come work with you? So... Um, if if you look at our website, well, let let me go back a little. Uh, a few years ago, we started as a business for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought, hey, we'll offer life coaching services, including horses, something different, something new. And, you know, while we started doing that, we both felt like that just didn't feel 
completely all the way right. Okay. Um, because we know the world of life coaching, we know the sort of scene, and we know how beneficial it can be versus how costly it gets mm -hmm. for clients, we, um, we thought, what if we found a way to make it available to everybody uh, and at a low cost or no cost? So the idea of nonprofit um, came around. And for us, it was really important that we concentrate on this county. I've often say to people, we don't need to get the whole world. We just want to serve this county. We don't need to mm -hmm. serve everybody. This is our home. This is where we live. And we know that so many other nonprofits really could use a day off. Yeah. Their staff, uh, their volunteers, the board of the, of the nonprofits. We talked a little bit earlier today how, how many nonprofits have really been going through a hard time since COVID. So really our mission statement says it the best. We're working together with horses and nature to provide support and give back to mm -hmm. those who serve our community. Mm -hmm. So one of your target populations are actually other nonprofits. Yes. And you're offering your services at low to no cost for these nonprofits to come and spend a day yes. as a team, as a group. Individually? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, individuals from all the nonprofits can um, sign up for sessions. They can come with their friends, partners, families. Um, but, you know, uh, while we started working with all the nonprofits, people would ask us, well, what about my friend, my cousin? You know, my <laughs> mother would like to experience something like that. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we're going to make those services available to everybody. Mm -hmm. While our focus group is the nonprofits, we, because we believe in the value, in the benefit of this work, uh, we, we really want to make sure that people in our community know it's available to everybody. Which is how we originally connected, and I so appreciated that you had listened to the show and called and said, you know, we want to help the helping professionals because it was right before COVID, I think mm -hmm. we started talking, yes. um, that there's so much on the plate of those who are helpers, you rarely get any help yourself. So come do this with us. And it was hard for me to imagine that you're actually offering to treat me to a day of this beautiful work. And so I, I think that's the thing that I've continued to find so amazing is that you have dedicated your work to helping those who help others so that they can go back and be more effective, whether they're teachers or clinicians or big brothers, big sisters, whatever the person or organization is. I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful goal. Yes, and you are not the only one that has a little bit of a hard time with that concept. <laughs> we uh, sometimes either we approach nonprofits or we get approached, and they have a hard time believing that it's a, a no cost at them for them. But it is, of course, not necessarily no cost for us because the ranch we work out of, which is a good friend of mine, uh, Alexander Islinger, who is in Germany most of the time, but has a beautiful ranch up there by Heritage. Mm -hmm. We rent the ranch from him, which also includes his horses. And there are, of course, costs involved. Well, okay, now let's be practical. Where's that money coming from? Mm -hmm. Well, we have. A few sponsors, uh, one of the founders is one probably our biggest sponsor, but we also now are starting to write grants, which is a whole nother <laughs> ball of wax of game, whatever that's called in English. But um, 
We, of course, super appreciate any kind of donations from people that come. But the whole idea is other nonprofits really don't have the money to treat their staff, their volunteers, to a day off. And let me tell you, we've had such a fantastic response from the organizations that we have the privilege to serve. We know it's needed. Yeah. Absolutely. Last week, we were talking a lot about public education and teachers and how difficult it's been for them to get back on their feet, Mm -hmm. back in the classrooms. Another group that gives everything to other people would strongly benefit from coming up and spending a day with you. If you're just tuning in, my guests are Yuta and Kasha, the founders of Life Coaching with Horses and Paso Robles. And if you want to learn more about the organization, you can con- you can go to their website, yes. lifecoachingwithhorses.org. Very simple. Lots of great information. You can send an email to info at lifecoachingwithhorses.org. And if you have a question, you can give us a call. Our number is 805 781 3875 805-781-3875. Maybe you have a question for yourself or about your organization and um, how you can uh, make an appointment to come up and spend a day. So what happens when someone comes up? What, what does it look like a, a day in the ring or two hours in the ring? How, how does the process unfold? So let's say you have a group uh, okay. of six people coming, a team. Right, it could be a nonprofit team. It could be also a regular business that we also welcome to bring their bring their people to us for leadership, you know, training, communication, all that. So the group comes in. Uh, first, we make sure that we um, get everybody settled. We talk about the logistics of the ranch, you know, all the necessities, and then we spend some time talking about our work, talking about the expectations for the day. We check with people what they're hoping to get out of that experience. Sometimes it's a little bit predetermined. Sometimes it's super organic, whatever happens, whatever shows up in the moment. Um, We introduce our clients to horses in a very safe manner. We talk about safety, and then we gradually bring them into the contact uh, with horses. So we have a variety of different activities that we present to our clients. Um, The activities, the choice of the activities is based on the needs and expectations of our clients, of the group. So um, some activities are one-on-one. We bring a person and a horse together into, let's say, a round pen or small arena. And some activities will involve more than one person, right? So it could be a couple people, it could be the entire team, and it could be more than one horse. So that's one of our favorite things is to sort of make the, make the plans for each group because, you know, each group is different. They look for different things. Sometimes it's about building and learning and exploring sometimes it's about resting and restoration and just really having a nice relaxing time so um we go through different activities we mix things in some are with horses some are maybe with each other uh we even have access to a labyrinth built built on the ranch so that's when people come maybe for longer longer day uh we get to take our clients to the labyrinth we often share lunch together. We have time for discussions and and um, questions. Throughout the throughout the activities throughout the day, 
again, depending on the need of the team, there could be more coaching, mm-hmm. actual support, actual, you know, working on something, or there could be more, uh, the focus can go towards just bringing the balance, just bringing the peace into life of these people who are usually overworked, exhausted, and they just want to rest. I know I found just being at the ranch really restful and beautiful, so quiet. And so you said in some ways maybe just being able to lay out in the field uh, and not have to think about anything else can be a huge uh, benefit. If you'd like to be part of our conversation, the number is 805-781-3875. And we have a call from Laura. Hi, Laura. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. And I'm really enjoying your story today. And just the thought of um, life coaching with horses sounds just amazing and so intuitively wonderful. I agree. So do you have a group or an organization or a person that you think would benefit from this? I do. I'm the training manager for CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates for Foster Youth here in San Luis Obispo County. And we have about, uh, well, we have several hundred volunteers that pair up with a foster child and make sure that they have all the services in place, uh, spend time with them. And I wondered if that would be appropriate for a CASA volunteer to take their foster child up there to the ranch because I think it would be just fabulous. Thank you, Laura. That's thank a, you, Laura, and thank you for your work. By the way, yeah, that's a great question, and um, I think what we would uh, suggest first is to start just with the team and bring the volunteers and le- really get let the volunteers experience this work, mm-hmm. and okay. then um, sort of get the idea who, like, which of the clients would benefit from that work. Uh, When it comes to child development, as you probably are very aware of, uh, there are certain ages that... um, coaching life coaching doesn't really apply that great that well so depending what age you were thinking about uh, we would have to determine either you know the groups or the activities but most important would be let's have the volunteers experience that Mm -hmm. because just by participating in some of the activities in some of the workshops the, the volunteers would be affected in a way that then they could carry that out when they work with the children, even without the horses. Fantastic. And I can see it applying to our uh, management team as well. We have about uh, nine people on our management team, and I can see that that would be a wonderful endeavor for a day for our team as well. Absolutely. Yes, Laura, I hope you go up because I definitely I'll be first in line <laughs> it sounds just absolutely fantabulous so I really appreciate the, the work that you do and how it will bring out amazing insights and in, uh, people that uh, were not aware of many things about themselves so absolutely. thank you yeah so Laura if you want to connect with Kasha and you to just send an email to info at lifecoachingwithhorses.org, and they will contact you and get you set up for your day at the ranch. That's how easy it is. God bless you guys for everything you do. Thank you. You too, Laura. Thank you. And so this is what you're looking for, right? That people actually believe that they can come up and spend a day with you and bring their organization and bring these helpers, the cost of volunteers themselves to to get a day. That's exactly what we're looking for, and I love that she 
thought about her volunteer group and then and then she thought about the management. Yes. I mean that's like fantastic. <laughs> that's exactly what we're hoping to see because of course both groups would immensely benefit from it. You know the the people that are in the leadership role like mm-hmm. Kasha was saying earlier we often have some really fun activities for them to bring the group together and and the volunteers sometimes it's just resting and sometimes it's sharing and so we've done many many workshops with hospice and have done similar kind of modalities with them so yeah please Laura bring everybody <laughs> over to the ranch and so they're going to the question that always remains and we started the show and bring it up again that there is no cost for the nonprofits to come up and spend time doing a workshop with you. That's correct. There is no cost. We love it when people offer to bring maybe lunch. We love it if people will do some great testimony, if they have another organization they put us in touch with. But unless they have a fat purse and would really (laughs) like to donate, which we also love, absolutely no cost. Yeah, which I think is beautiful. I love the idea that if you're going to bring your CASA organization up, you bring a beautiful lunch and then Kasha and Yuta will provide the beautiful horse experience. So in our remaining time together, I I just would also love to hear a couple stories of um, success or how you saw people change in the work that you've been doing, maybe an, an individual and another story of a group. And one of the ones I'd love you to touch on is when I brought one of my student groups up, you did um, the process of trying to get the horse to go around a track without touching the horse, but just with the non <laughs> That was... Can you talk a little bit about the idea behind that and how funny it was to watch a group of three people with no horse experience try to move a horse through an obstacle course without touching them? What is the point of that? So there's a bunch of points of that. But I think for us, knowing so much about horses and our horses can read us, can read about biofeedback, and how you got to remember they don't speak English Mm -hmm. and they don't – they have their own ways of communicating in a horse herd. And so what we invite people to when we do this exercise, which is basically there's a really large open space with a bunch of funny-looking uh, obstacles and uh, one horse loose and then three people, <laughs> big-eyed people walking around. And we say to them, okay, pick something and see if you guys non-verbally, the three of you c- can communicate non-verbally and ask the horse to go around or through or over this particular obstacle. And what they find out very quickly is that you don't need to speak. (laughs) It's all about the energy. It's all about the nonverbal. And it's also a bit about visualization. And I think, I hope this doesn't sound too ooey-ooey either, but (laughs) it's really what it is. And it is a beautiful thing to watch Mm -hmm. when it comes together. At the beginning. It is a little little funny at the beginning. (laughs) And if you really want to see funny, ask um, a married couple to do that. Mm. Husband and wife or wife and wife or husband and husband. Mm -hmm. Ask them to do it. Especially if they come to us because they're having maybe some problems. Mm -hmm. And all kinds of stuff comes out. And so private citizens can also oh, contact yes. you and oh, come Oh, yes, up. and they do. They mm-hmm. do contact us. Like I said, couples. Um, families. Families. And then, as we said a little earlier, we're now doing quite a bit of people who are in grief, mm-hmm. often single. But we've had a couple of grief groups also come, which mm-hmm. 
which for us is a very beautiful and also extremely rewarding experience to be able to give back to those individuals. Mm-hmm. And so when an individual comes up to do work, what can they expect? Are they going to be one-on-one with the horse? Will they lay on the ground with the horse? I'm just asking you all the things that I was thinking to came up, so I want to just clear some mystery for people. Do they? Will they be galloping with the horse next to the horse? <laughs> uh, I, I love that you're asking us for a script. Because right, that's my personality. I'm sorry I to... get paid to ask these questions. In the ring, I get. I can't. But now I can't. I'm sorry to disappoint you and all those people who are script-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the beauties of this whole process of being with horses and learning about yourself, solving problems and, you know, discovering things is that a lot of of that happens organically. Mm -hmm. So sort of step by step, uh, people may have some ideas and intentions when they contact us, what they want to work on. And then when they meet the horse, suddenly it turns out that something completely different is way more important in, in the moment to touch on and discuss. So we are all for scripts. <laughs> and we also know that they don't work, that mm-hmm. they go out the window the moment people meet with the horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we give so to speak, the reins of the session to our clients. So we give them choices. We give them options. We always ask what the client would like to do next, what they feel inspired to do. And even just that can be interesting and tricky and could be a learning moment because people, when given that sort of freedom of choices, they freeze and, and they they go between the pressures and expectations versus really, I'm free to choose and maybe I don't have to do anything or maybe I can do something unusual, something that's been nagging me for a long time and I just, I'm not allowed to do it anywhere else. So uh, there is no script, but we will take care of the safety for sure. Mm -hmm. We will take care of um, explaining to our clients how this whole thing works and then we just let them experience that sort of free free range. Um, One thing that I want to add is uh, for those who are listening like, "Uh oh, I'm going to be with a horse by myself. Uh, We're there. And again, we can be as close as arm in arm with the person Mm -hmm. and sort of help to bridge that distance between a person and a horse. But I also want to say that with our expertise in horses and also coming from the training, we uh, know how to choose horses for that activity. Horses cannot be trained to perform for people, but those are very safe, very friendly horses. And 13 years going, I have not witnessed or experienced one single incident Mm -hmm. of something happening to our clients. So... To wrap up, mm-hmm. we have to thank you for spending this hour with me. What is something you would like people to take away? Just come to the ranch. Okay. Come to the ranch and experience for yourself. And I want to thank you, Elizabeth, for again for having us come here because explaining this is so difficult. It is. It is so difficult. So please come and experience it for yourself. Tell your friends. Tell your favorite nonprofit. <laughs> spread the word. 
we would love to have you. Lifecoachingwithhorses.org is where information is. An email to info at lifecoachingwithhorses.org will get you set up with an appointment. Um, and yes, it, it was a life-changing experience for me that is mm-hmm. very difficult to describe. So I also encourage anyone who's at all interested to follow up and enjoy a beautiful day with Utah and Kasha. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in. As always, you can find more information at kcbx.org. You can email me, elizabeth at thereluctanttherapist.com. Check out Instagram, check out Facebook. And thank you for tuning in and always supporting Central Coast Public Radio, KCBX. It was in another lifetime, one of toil and blood. Blackness was a virtue And the road was full of mud I came in from the wilderness A creature void of form Come in, she said, I'll give you Shelter from the storm And if I pass this way again You can rest assured Always do my best for her On that I give my word In a world of still like death And men who are fighting to be warm Come in, she said, I'll give you Shelter from the storm Not a word was spoke between us There was little risk involved Everything up to that point had been left unresolved Try imagining a place that's always safe and warm Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from a storm